0: Well, when you hear that music, you know what time it is. I'm Jim Reed, and it's time for another week of the Poker Podcast Forums Edition. I'm so excited to be your host this week. You can find me at Bluffsterini in the home games and at Jim in the forums. And I'm just one of a few people that are very excited to be talking to you about poker strategy today. One of the other ones is Chris Jones. Chris, tell us a little bit about where we can reach you.
1: Uh, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5 by 5 on PokerStars and on Twitter.
0: But surely there are other people here and, whose names uh, are alphabetically <laughs> following Chris. Yeah, like I'm, John Somsky, for instance.
2: I'm
3: John Somsky <laughs> and Poker Geek MN, uh everywhere. <laughs> I'm We're Rob Washam. I'm Rob Washam and I'm Radman50 everywhere. And I'm Taylor Moss. Uh you can find me in the rec Poker home game as Gopher Boy TJM or on Twitter as Taylor underscore Moss
0: the running aces casino which i have to get across here one of our major sponsors along with learn pro poker and website amp you're welcome steve so here we are for the, the this episode of the forums podcast and you know hosting the podcast has its privilege every once in a while and we're actually going to talk about one of my posts this week that's right it's at jim posts in the rec.poker forum home game betting patterns so basically, this is from one of the home games we play each and every night on Poker Stars for Play Money. And uh, I was in the big blind, and a player, Milo Junk, was in the small blind. And I'll just go through the action and we can talk about. It. We're basically going to be talking about uh, whether we should be leading or checking some streets and the sizing of the bets uh, that we choose to make. So basically, it folds around to the small blind. Milo Junk has 10 of diamonds, seven of diamonds and completes the small blind. I've got a uh, king of spades, eight of diamonds, and I just check the big blind and I'll go through all the action. We can talk about it afterwards. So the flop comes king of diamonds, seven of hearts, jack of diamonds. Uh, so Milo Junk has bottom pair and a flush draw. They lead for half pair. And uh, I call in the big blind with top pair, no kicker. The turn comes the eight of clubs So uh, Milo picks up a little equity, ends up leading pot. And because I turned two pair, I just smooth call. And we can talk about whether I should have raised or not later. Uh, The river comes to queen of hearts and Milo, I think turns their pair into a bluff here and bets half pot, which I call behind and show down uh, two pair of kings and eights beating one pair uh, of sevens to the 10. So there's some conversation in the forum about whether MiloJunk should be making that big turn bet uh, when they gain a little draw equity. And um, so let's just talk about that a little bit. So at Jamel, at Patchperson, at Stringbender, and at 5x5, all lean in here and have something to say. Um, would anyone like to go first and talk about sort of what they might be thinking about either in Milo Junk's position or in my position there? I know ranges are so wide when you get to the small blind completed big blind check that might affect some of our action.
1: One one thing just to add which I think uh, is good for context is we're at the 5100 level and um, you have about 3200 so we're about 32 uh, blinds effective.
3: Yeah, yeah, and just to, to recap the hand a little bit, too, from from Milo's perspective, uh, they complete a pre-flop, so it's shaping out to be a small, uh, you know, pot. Uh, they lead out quite large on the flop uh, when they hit bottom pair. They have bottom pair plus a flush draw. Uh, they get called. Uh, then on the turn with the eight of clubs coming in, they add in a little bit of extra equity because now they can hit a gut shot. Uh, straight, Uh, they again choose to lead for a very large sizing. And then in the river when the queen comes, they miss all their draws and are stuck with bottom pair, uh, and that's when they make the uh, half pot bet.
0: Yeah, so some people were talking about maybe on the flop, uh, as played, it's a half pot lead. and. I think Chris and uh, Jerry, you both made the good point in the comments there that you can actually fold out the same kind of drawing hands with a smaller bet than half pot. Maybe half pot is too big for this kind of range versus range situation. Is that approximately correct? I,
2: in general, I like smaller bets on the flop, um, especially in this situation. I, I, I liked a third bet and then he did pick up a little bit of equity with the turn, but Not a lot and I I probably would have checked the turn myself rather because you know you you had already showed interest in um, by calling on the flop. And I I, I guess I would have checked check folded or check called the turn with his hand.
1: And I I would even I mean I I agree with all all of that. I would even sometimes um, I would consider it I think a check raise is far more something I would consider on this turn than I would leading out for a pot size bet. Um, I think we're not, once, once we get a flop call here, you know, our opponent, you in, in the big blind um, has a lot of Kings. They have a lot of Jacks. They have a lot of diamonds. We block a lot of those diamonds, but they have still have some diamonds. They might have some kind of weird straight draws. Um, But so we're, we're, I I don't know that we're going to, fold out much of that with a with a smaller bet on the flop um, and I still don't know that once that that eight doesn't really change a lot on this board um, you know that the, the uh, 10, 9 gets there but that's about it that really that, that card really changes. Um, and so I, I, I really would prefer um, probably a, a check to hope to sort of check it through. I think this turn checks through a lot if we check um but if it doesn't um it's it's a then a if i check raise i think i can get somebody off a jack or a king a lot more easily than i can i think a jack or king is just going to be calling me um every time and probably any better flush draw is going to be calling me as well so i don't know what i'm what that large pot size bet is really accomplishing for me other than maybe getting some of those weak straight draws to get get out and lose some of their equity yeah because
3: our opponent called the the flop and we're now in this spot where we're on the turn not really that scary of a card came in and we're trying to gain some fold equity and it it looks like how we're trying to gain fold equity is by increasing our bet sizing which isn't always the correct thing to do Uh, because our opponent showed willingness to play on the flop uh we only had bottom pair uh they were very passive pre-flop by just checking the big blind but then when we uh, I'm assuming let out for half pot on the flop, they just called. Uh, so we're essentially uh, hoping that they have something like ace high where they thought ace high might still be good or um, some sort of draw that they're ready to give up on like a queen 10 or something like, like that. Like those are very like specific hands that we're targeting, uh, trying to get to, a, to fold. And if that's the case, we don't need to go to a full pot size to get some of those hands to fold. Um, so it, it's like we're we're concerned about our opponent's hand, and the action that we took was to just increase our bet sizing to try and make it more likely that they were going to fold. And that's usually not the approach that you want to be taking. Now, um, someone
0: asked if, in my position, I'd consider raising the turn there with two pair, and I think. Because it's such a big bet, it's pretty polarized. It should be anyway. So I think raising would be a mistake because you're only ever going to get called by hands that have you beat. So um, I think that, I think as played, that's the right play there. Um, so what what would you do if you were in this position with Milo Junk and you had 7-7, seven, seven, so you flopped uh, a set on that, on that flush draw board and then that turn comes in? Um, are we in a position here where we're trying to play the flop in the turn the same way with seven seven and with 10 seven of diamonds is that is that something that you guys would have be the case no matter what your hand was there
2: if, if i flopped a set i think i'm raising his his uh betting oh sorry sorry block. i
0: mean if uh, if milo had uh, flopped the set so he's, oh, he, it's I'm his sorry. it's his first action because because he's playing he's playing i feel like he's basically playing his flush draw here like, I almost yeah. feel like he's not really playing his pair for showdown value. I think he's mostly, like, essentially playing a semi-bluff. That, that That's the way I – when I saw the bet sizing, I thought, this is a series of semi-bluff bets that don't get there. And if that turn bet, you know, if that if that diamond comes in on the river, then he's in a much better position. But when it doesn't, he's in this spot where he's like, okay, well, now my only way to win the hand is with a bluff um, because – yeah, take a turn.
2: I, I was just gonna say if, if he had flopped a set of sevens, I think I think that turn bet of his is is too large yet because I'd want a value bet I wouldn't want I, I would wanna be charging some made hand that you have and not be so much afraid of the flush draw at that point, just making sure I didn't give correct pot odds on my bet out on the turn mm-hmm. for a call for a flush draw. But otherwise get some value rather than pushing you out of the pot chris you look like you want to jump in there i
1: i may i may still with a um with a set there of set of sevens i may still be checking uh with the intention of check raising Um, right i feel like this is a really um and and i'm doing that um in particular because we are pretty short stacked um we don't there's not we don't need a lot of bets to go into this to get um stacks in and so if i want to get stacks in i can't i i pretty much can um, you know with a, with a little bit more aggression and I feel like a check raise is going to accomplish that even more because like basically when you call that when you call that flop um, you know if I bet if I bet like I can bet half pot there and then try to, to try to get stacks in on the river um, and that's another potential approach but I, I kind of like the check raise uh, a little bit better and if I if I need to I can uh, get that value on the river.
2: You know, that's the, that's the only thing I think about is lose. I'm if I'm in that spot in the big blind, a lot of times I'm going to after you show that stab initially at the pot on the flop, I'm probably going to check back. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you get as much value in your hand by yeah. betting out the river, yeah,
3: yeah, that that was the exact point that I was going to bring up is that our opponent really hasn't shown any sort of aggression, action, aggressive action, so uh. Banking on a check raise or trying to go for a check raise in this spot um, Isn't like the typical plan of action is when you're in the small blind and you flop a set Typically someone from you know mid position late position early position someone that's got position on you uh, Has taken some sort of aggression aggressive action pre-flop. There was no Aggressive actions here. So it's a little bit more likely that we just see that check behind Um, so I I'm on board of, you know, if I'm going to be betting here, I probably want to be betting half pot again, uh, where I'm doing that with some top pair hands, uh, some really strong hands like sets, and then some draws that I have, which potentially include diamonds or straight draws. Um, I'm probably not going for a check raise here, just given how it it all played out pre-flop.
1: I mean I and and I, that, that all makes sense to me too I like um but I do find these blind versus blind um scenarios are the ones where I think that this is actually you know one of the we've talked a long time ago about completing from the small blind um and one of the reasons I like doing that um is because I think it opens up these opportunities and I think people in big blind scenarios when it's uh, blind versus blind, and it's just been completed, and there's been no sort of uh, action taken, and then there's a check to them. I think a lot of people see that as open license to okay, this is my pot now. Um, and I think people are willing to bet more in those scenarios than they are if this was uh, any kind of open and call, you know, and open and defend from the if this is if I had opened from the button, I would never do that. Um, but with that the blind versus blind scenario, I feel like you you're you have more license to do this sometimes. Mm-hmm.
3: I, I really- The person I, that you're playing against is named Bluffstereen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? Yeah, a good point. I mean, this is sort of an opponent model question, isn't it? I mean, the question is, is this opponent gonna be the kind of foe who bluffs in position when you check the turn? Um, you know, I mean, I probably am in this case. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's, you know, sometimes I wonder a lot about these hands that we talk about, especially in the home games where we do start to get some tells on people, or at least some, some uh, sense of whether they're aggressive or passive players and tailoring our, our game accordingly. But, um,
2: I find, you know, it's interesting. This is a good situation. For me, this is one of the more challenging things I find in poker is playing, heads up when it's blind versus blind, you're in the small blind and it folds around. And it seems like taking two different tracks, a lot of times with um, you know lower buy-in tournaments or uh, recs, low regs, uh, you, can, you go for maybe a, a three or three and a half X raise and you get a lot of fold equity with that. Um, but it seems like with the higher buy-ins or as you progress in a tournament, you kind of have to switch gears and does become a lot of limping. I like towards the end of later stages of the tournament, I probably limp, you know, 80% of, of those pots versus raising, but early on, I think there's a lot of fold out, fold out equity.
0: And Jerry, does that have anything to do with the stack sizes at the table at that point in the tournament, or is it more about the people that you're finding on your left uh, in that spot
2: or both? both? Yeah, both because it funnels up, right. I, right. you know, I, you have people get, get lucky as you get later stages of a tournament, but, but the, the, the quality of the play does go up. So that's a function of it. And, I, and everybody's playing on shorter stack sizes. So you, you, you're trying to preserve that.
0: So Stringbender makes a comment in the forum post here. Uh, says the flop bet's too big. One quarter to one third's fine. Uh, small blind has a pretty big equity advantage on the board. Uh, against the big blinds very capped range. And that the turn should be checked 100%. Small blind picked up a little extra equity, which is precisely why they would not want to bet and get blown off that equity by a raise. So instead the small blind should check call and let the big blind, big blind bluff with all their misdraws and floats. Then play poker on the river, my favorite expression, and either check fold or check call depending on uh, the read of the big blind. Um, and that, that raises another kind of interesting point here which is like what do you want to do with that equity that you pick up because in a sense I think you're you're kind of defining your hand a little bit if you check call um, with that action I mean it all depends on how you know how thoughtful are you being and constructing these ranges in advance but um, I don't know what do you guys think well, uh, when, I, when I get when I get some extra equity I'm always inclined to add some fold equity to that and I mean, it, part of it's just because I love shoving. And so I need to, well, I do. And so I need to have a good mix of, you know, thin, va- heavy value, thin value, and and these high equity or higher equity than just bluff draws.
2: But that's not everybody's game. I don't you know, think that's I, a, I might be wrong. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that this is the greatest example for picking up that equity because you have a flush draw on the board. So, I mean, you're picking up you know if, if your opponent is on a flush draw you're only picking up 3 rather than 4 outs i don't know how much equity you really do pick up on the on the turn um and then your question as far as when you get to the river I, you know if it's you in the big blind or him in the small blind uh, if i'm in the small blind or if i'm if i'm you in the big blind and then facing his hat half bet on the half pot bat on the river i mean that's when you have to start if you can, I and I, I, I have a lot of trouble doing this in game and in and, and real time, but you you try and figure out what his value hands are, what his potential bluff hands are, and look at that ratio and and are you getting the correct pot odds to call? And if you're him, you're trying to get a bet sizing that would make you indifferent to that.
4: Right. So Rob, did you want to jump in there? Well, I was just gonna say we're the, the ranges that we're talking about here are so wide open. You've got a small blind just, you know, completing and then a big blind just checking. So, the, you know, in a typical hand, you have somebody raising, then you have the big blind calling. You know, you got, you've got some uh, basis of, of creating a distinct range that these people are on. So in a small blind situation like that, if I was Milo Junk, I would probably bet out, because anytime I connected with the flop, I feel I'm ahead of my of the big blind. Sure. Yep. Right? Because yep. it's the ranges are so wide; it could be any two cards, literally any two cards. So I would bet out, and then I would just probably totally stop on the turn, because you, you call back. I've got whatever I've got right now. I've got you know, I've got a pair, so I'm going to use that as a bluff catcher, maybe. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to put another set in the pot as soon as you call that first bet.
1: And all of this is sort of like one of the things that this hand brings up for me is, um, I think this was a mistake that I have hopefully corrected now. But um, I, I think I would always get so excited about pair and flush draw. Yeah. Like, Oh my, I Oh, uh, let's get stacks in this. Let's go. But I uh, like, I think like the more you kind of play these types of spots, you understand that not all pair and flush draws are the same and are of equal value. And there are some that are worth getting stacks in and there are some that are worth like, you know, let's see how this plays out. This is still have a lot of value, but I don't, I don't need to, to push that as far as it, you know, just because I got that pair and flush draw um, there's, there's reasons and, and especially when you have the bottom pair mm-hmm. and you've got a potentially a flush draw that's not gonna, uh, you know, that you can be out flushed as well. Those are the kinds of, of pair and flush draws that you may want to um, have that turn check back in your, or t- turn check in your sort of like in your arsenal.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, and so one question I, I have for us before we wrap up this post is on the river you're in milo junks position okay so as played you made that turn polarized bluff and you bricked the river do you ever have a bluffing range here and what is the sizing of that bluff because i think the 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 key that you guys have hit on here is my my range my continuing range with this action is pretty strong already so certainly by the time i call the turn at pot That's a pretty, I mean, I'm actually, my calling range might be stronger than my raising range there, because I'm basically saying I'm not gonna add any fold equity to this hand. Um, So is there a size that makes sense there? Is it a very narrow range? Should we just, should Milo junk just never be bluffing there um, because they have the seven or because I'm just too strong? Or what would go into your thought process as you're trying to play Milo's river there out of position?
4: the the fact that he bet full pot on the turn and you called it to me would shut me right down um if he had made a normal size bet on the turn maybe half pot to a little over maybe you know 70% something like that and you called that now i could still put you on that uh, on a draw that you're still hoping comes in so now i feel more inclined to be able to bluff you on the river but if you're going to call a full pot size bet on the turn, mm-hmm. I don't think you're doing that with the kinds of draws that I'm, that I'm going to beat if I, if I hit my draw and without a made hand, I, th- I think you've got a made hand at that time. So I don't think it's, I don't think, I think the way he did it by having the pot size bet on the turn, I could not pull the trigger on a bluff on the river.
3: Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm probably chickening out here. Uh, but if I wasn't, and I was going for a bluff here, I would go with a large sizing and I would probably go, <clears throat> excuse me, over pot sizing, given how it played out. Um, Cause if we go pot on the turn uh, and then this river comes in, which doesn't really change too much. Uh, all the flushes, miss, like whatever was probably good on the turn is probably still good on the river. Uh, so if I have something like a set, uh, or I turned the straight or, you know, one of those like types of strong hands and My opponent has already shown the willingness to call a pot size bet. Well, guess what now? I'm ratching it up even more I'm going, you know, one and a half pot I don't know what effective stack size is here, but it might just be an all-in here mm-hmm. um, So if I am bluffing, I probably want to keep up with that same sizing so <laughs> If I choose to bluff it might be like an all-in sizing here mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, I'll tell you in in real time when I when the when I when the turn came and I turned two pair and saw the pot size bet, I remember thinking, "Boy, how would I proceed here if I had not turned that second pair?" Because honestly, you know, half pot, full pot, even being in position, I'm not like loving life at getting in there with top pair eight kicker um even blind versus blind one of the things about blind versus blind is there's so many of these two pair combos out there that you can't really track as as rob's saying you don't get to define the ranges as much um but i'll, I'll tell you i mean i was not convinced that i was going to be ahead 100 of the time there um so yeah i don't know i don't know it feels like feels like is there a different play they could have made on the turn like maybe a bigger bet on the turn it's it, if they know they're not gonna be aggressive on bricks on the river um, or a smaller one, if they are considering
4: it, or it's just a tricky spot. Poker's hard. Any, any last thoughts? One of the things on this one, his bet on the turn would have folded out most one pair hands. Yeah. And the fact that you gained that two, you got all of a sudden you're, you, you got, you turn two pair. So all of a sudden you have a hand that actually can call that bet. So in norm, you know, what 70% of the time that's not going to happen right mm-hmm. 70% of the time he's going to he's going to win the pot right there with that full pot bet so the thing the, the the thing is though because he didn't win it there that's when you need to shut down on the river
0: yeah yeah that makes sense to me that, that what it what it tells you about my continuing range exactly is that I'm not folding yep period to to a half size bet chris right or?
1: And that's why if, if, if we had checked this turn and it had checked through, I'm far more likely to think my seven is still good on this mm-hmm. river. And I am then going to be potentially check calling because yeah. then I'm going to put you on some potentially some diamonds, some some other kinds of uh, things, some some of the missed uh, straight kind of hands. You know, I, those are the, the, on that river, I'm much more likely to maybe uh, check call uh on a river on this river but you know that's still i'm probably still just giving up but then i don't i I, there's not as much chips in this pot i don't think this this hand deserves from our 10-7 perspective to have that many chips in the pot um Mm -hmm. and so like as we keep pushing this um and and we do have the 10 which is kind of nice uh in terms of like some of the straight you know possibilities. Yep. So I can see maybe convincing myself a bluff is okay, but I would only want to really bluff on that river um, rather than on the turn.
0: Cool. All right. Well, any other thoughts before we wrap it up? All right. Thanks, guys. Well, I'd like to thank Jamel and uh, Stringbender for their contribution into the post. I'd like to thank our sponsors, the one and only Running Aces, Learn Pro Pro Poker, and Website Amp. Thank you to the panel, and we will see all y'all next Saturday. Thanks, folks.